There's power in the name of. There's healing in the name of. There's salvation in the name of. The Bible says that demons tremble at the sound of that name. Welcome to the ministry of Bishop Emmanuel Nkefu of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. Bishop Nkefu is a medical doctor and senior pastor of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. A seasoned and anointed preacher and teacher of the Word of God, followed with various miracles, signs and wonders. His in-the-preaching of the Word of God will change your life forever. Now... Here's today's message. I want to salute the set man of the house, our bishop, Bishop Julius Laga, and Lady Commissioner Ulayuka Laga. Hallelujah. Bishop Laga, God bless you for the invitation. Uh, it's a blessing for us to be here. Now, I am still pressing on on the subject of the mega church. How many mega church pastors are here? Can I see the mega church pastors who are here? Mega church? Pastors of 500 mega churches? 1,000? Can I see the 1,000 member church pastors? Can all the 2,000 Member church pastors stand to their feet. All the 2,000 church workers in churches that are 2,000. Can I see them? What about 5,000? What about 5,000? Eh? 5,000. Or oh, you are afraid of 5,000? Ah, more than 5,000. 10,000. 10,000. Hallelujah. God is going to put it in your life. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you. Now, Dr. Cho said one time he went to Australia to go and uh, minister. He spoke about church growth. And he said that at the end of the conference, he asked the pastors to write down their five-year vision in an envelope. Their five-year vision in an envelope. So at the end of the Chego conference, he asked the pastors to write down their vision for, for five years, what they wanted to see. You know, they should write it down. And he said, he was very surprised at what the pastors wrote. That pastors wrote that in five years they were expecting a church of 50 people, 100 people, 200 people, 300 people. There was only one pastor at the conference who wrote that in five years he was believing God to see a church of 5,000 people. Five years later, Dr. Cho went back to the same place. And out of all the pastors who were there the last time, it was this pastor 
who have built a church of 5,000 people. Only that pastor who had a church of 5,000 people. So that is why yesterday I was saying that your vision makes you. Hallelujah. And so I want all of us to have big dreams. Listen, this world is not saved. Hallelujah. That is the truth. This world is not saved. As a matter of fact, the fastest growing religion is no more Christianity. The fastest growing religion today is Islam. Islam has overtaken Christianity as the fastest growing religion. And that is because we are comfortable. Amen? America and Europe send the gospel all around the world. Today, Americans don't go anywhere. I mean, name one American preacher who is preaching all over the world in crusades. You can't find anybody. Hallelujah. And so, we must rise up. This is our time. This is our opportunity. Like Dr. Howard was saying, God has given to us this trust. The gospel is a trust that God has given to us for us to take care of. Amen. Amen. Nobody is going to come from anywhere to spread the gospel to our people. We must arise to make sure that the gospel is spread everywhere. And I really want to encourage every pastor here to see the harvest. See the harvest. The harvest is great. And like Dr. Howard said, let us see what Jesus saw when he saw the multitudes. He saw their conditions. He felt their conditions. He experienced it. He was moved with it. Hallelujah. Are you getting that? So pastors, that is why we are talking about the mega church. I want every pastor here to believe God to have a large church and many, many branches. Can I have a believing amen? Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come before your word one more time. We are grateful unto you for your servants that you have used to speak to us already this morning. And we thank you, O oh God, for adding to what you have given unto them. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, this morning, um, I'll be preaching on different areas of church growth. Because my assignment is to encourage you to grow large churches. Can I have an Amen? That is my that is my assignment. That is, that is the burden on my heart. So if I can challenge you, if I can encourage you, if I can motivate you so that you go out of this conference with a desire to see many people filling the church that the Lord has given to you, it will really be 
a blessing. Hallelujah. Now Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, he said, For bodily exercise profited little, but godliness profited unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. And he said, This is a true and a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation. And in verse 10, look at it, verse 10, 1 Timothy 4.10, he said, For this cause, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. Why? Because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men. Who is the Savior of all men? Amen? God is the Savior of all men. Especially of those that believe. And so Paul said that is why we have given ourselves to godliness. The reason why we have given ourselves to godliness is because godliness will profit us both now in this life and the life after. Hallelujah. Huh? And that is why we must strive. We must labor. Look at the word that you said. For therefore we both labor. We must labor. We must work. And suffer reproach. Because we trust in the living God. Who is the savior of all men. May the Lord use you to save many people. Through you may hundreds upon hundreds upon thousands come into the kingdom of God. And may the Lord make you one thousand times more in your lifetime in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, I'll share with you a couple of keys that will help you to build a mega church. Key number one was that you must understand the importance of having a mega church. Amen? I gave you many, many reasons. Now, one of the reasons is that when you have a mega church, it helps you to have a large income, which you can use to fulfill all the different visions that God gives to you. Maybe God wants you to build a school. Maybe God wants you to have a, a Bible college. Maybe God wants you to embark on crusades. It all needs money. And when the church's income is not much, it is very, very difficult for you to be able to do that. Can I have an amen? Hallelujah. Do you understand that? Many of you have great things that you like to do for the Lord. But when you take the offerings, the offerings aren't much. And one of the reasons why the offerings aren't much is because of the number of people that are there. So you need more people so that you can have more offerings which you can use to do more for the Lord. Can I have an amen? 
Then number two, for you to build a mecca church, you need to have certain attitudes. And I gave you three attitudes that a pastor needs to have so that he can build a mega church. Number one, you must have a heart for mega church. Don't be afraid. Don't despise a large church. There are some pastors and church members who like it when the church is small. They say it is cozy. We know ourselves. We all relate. We are happy with ourselves. We don't like troubles. When the church is a lot, you find a lot of people shouting around, crying around, moving around. There's chaos and confusion. Listen, the heart of God is that all men will be saved. So you better have the heart that God has. God's heart is to save all men. Hallelujah. And can you imagine that if everybody in Freetown alone was saved, how many of you know that there will be no space in our churches for them? No. We will have church in the stadium. We have church on the streets. We have church in the marketplace. May it come to pass in the name of Jesus. May it come to pass in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And it will come to pass in Isaiah chapter 2. The Bible says in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house eh, shall be built on the top of the mountains. Hallelujah. And all nations shall flow into it. May it come to pass in the name of the Lord Jesus. The second attitude that you must have is that the church that you want to see, you must see it before you see it. Say, I must see it before I see it. And, 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 and this is a very powerful point. You know, you need to have a vision. When you are blind, you are very, very handicapped. You are a beggar. You sit down. You can't move. You can't progress. So you need to see. And one of the things that I said was that that is why you know, you attend conferences like this. Where you see other churches. Sometimes on a Sunday, go to, you know, a bigger church. A bigger church. Amen. But you see, sometimes pastors will not move around because we are jealous and we are envious. Now, let me explain to you why you must not be jealous about what is happening somewhere else. The reason why you must not be jealous is because if you become jealous of the fact that another church is bigger than yours, you have an antichrist spirit. You are against what Christ is trying to do. Christ is trying to save the whole world. When somebody's church is bigger, alright, and doing well, all that it means that more people are being saved. So why are you angry with that? Why are you angry? That is an antichrist spirit. Can I have an amen? Rather rejoice. Then number two, you can never receive what you despise. So if somebody is having a mega church and you are despising it, God will not give it to you. Hallelujah. I get what I'm saying. 
So rather at night and go there and go and learn. You know, one of the things that has brought Bishop Dad's ministry to the place that it is is that Bishop Dad learns wherever he goes. Now after I'll be here the whole week, I'm looking around. What is it that I can learn? What is it that I can learn? So that when I go back, I can add it to what I am doing. The bishop learns all the time. When we go to Korea, uh, after the, the conference, we have our own uh, meetings and, and uh, uh, places that we visit in the church. Visiting offices, moving to different places, learning. He's always learning and always adding. And, you know, the scripture says in um, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I believe, the Bible says, do not be like an old and foolish king who cannot be admonished. Sometimes we behave as old and foolish kings. We are very stiff. We are very stiff. But you see, if you want God to use you, you must learn to be malleable and flexible in the hands of God. So that God can bend you this way, bend you that way, bend you backwards, bend you sideways, and do whatever He wants to do. If you got how I said, when God calls us, He determines our assignment. We don't determine our assignment, but God, our assignment is determined by God. Hallelujah. Now, that is how come Moses' ministry ended. In Exodus 17, when they needed water, God said, take your rock, strike the rock, and let the waters come. He did it. The waters came, the people were happy, they drank, and they were happy. In Numbers chapter 20, when they had a similar situation, God now said to Moses, this time, I want you to speak to the rock for the waters to come. But what did he do? He went by experience. He went by foreknowledge. He went by ministerial experience. This is the way we do church. This is the way we do. God, in church, when we want water, this is the way we do church. Now, one of the things that, as we are here, God will be doing your life is that God will be changing your stereotype. When we talk about stereotype, it talks about the way you do things. Yeah. You should open yourself up to the different things that the men of God are sharing here. Because through them, God may be asking you to stop certain things that you are doing, modify certain things that you are doing, do you understand it? Change certain things that you are doing. But, but you can sit down here the whole week and say to yourself, look, me, I, I know how to grow a church. I know how to do it. I know how to do it. And when you stop learning, you start dying. So Moses, out of experience, went to strike the rock. And God said, because you have not sanctified me in the presence of the people, okay, this is the end of your ministry. This is the end of your ministry. Pastors, this is another lesson for us. We must desire all the time to please the Lord 
who has called us and not the people. In ministry, there's something called the pressure of the people. The pressure of the people talks about what the people want to hear. What the people want to hear. Hallelujah. Are you getting that? But you should not give them what they want to hear. You must give them what the Lord has given to you to give to them. The scripture says in John 3, 34, that he that is sent of God, speaketh the words of God, and he giveth unto him the Spirit without measure. So he that is sent of God, speaketh the words of God. God always told the prophet, I have put my words in your mouth, speaking to the people. So we must so be under pressure. And as of our people, all that they want to hear is prosperity message. They want to hear that, they want you to do a series 57 steps to prosperity. When you finish, you should do another six, 21 keys to super fantastic prosperity and wealth. But when you finish, do another six, tell, the, tell the two reasons why you must get a husband. When you finish, then you do the two reasons why a good wife is good. That's all that they want to hear. But you don't have to follow that. You must follow the voice of God. Can I have an amen? amen. It's a good place for you to clap hands for the Lord. So I have a vision. So I want every pastor here, alright, at the end of this conference, to write down your vision, alright, for the next five years and also for next year. For next year. So next year will be your immediate vision. Five years will be your short-term vision. So write it down. At the end of the conference, when you go home, tell yourself, I have 100 members in my church now. How many members do I want to have next year? And then you begin to work with it. With faith. Hallelujah. And a clear conscience. Amen. Paul told Timothy in first uh, Timothy chapter one verse eighteen, he said, "I now commit unto you, my son Timothy, that you make war with the prophecies that have gone ahead of you." So it is important for you to war according to the prophecies that have gone ahead of you. Using faith and a clear conscience. So, when you say, I want to believe God for 200 people next year, you must believe and, and work towards it by faith. Amen. I see it. This church I commit unto this son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Verse 19. Verse 19. Holding faith and a, a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Hallelujah. And he tells him about two people who did that. Of whom eh, is Hymenos and Alexander. So these were people who made shipwreck of their faith. Because they did not make a good warfare. Can I have an amen? 
So the just shall live by his faith. So after this conference, write down your vision. Make the vision clear and run with it. Hallelujah. Can I have an amen? And number three, the vision that you are going to have, all right, the vision that you are going to have must be a burning vision. It must eat you up. Can I have an amen? The vision must what? Eat you up. Yeah. It must eat you up. It must be deep-seated in your heart. You must think about it. You must walk with it. You must run with it. You must sleep with it. It must consume you. It must guide your actions for the rest of your ministry. That is how come you see the result. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.15 he said uh, meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly unto them so that your profiting will appear unto all. To see the profit you must give yourself wholly to what you are doing. Can I have an amen? Now, today I want to continue and give you another powerful key that we all need to build mega churches. How many of you want to build a mega church? And I'm talking about the key of using lay people. Lay people. Hallelujah. The key of using lay people. Amen. The key of using lay people. The key of using lay people. So I'm talking about uh, church growth and the lay ministry. Now, pastors, if you are going to build a mega church, one of the requirements will be that you need a lot of people to help you. No one single pastor can build a mega church. Can I have an amen? No one single pastor can build a mega church. Because you soon realize that the processes in building a mega church are so many, are so difficult, are so involving, are so diverse that you will not be able to do it alone. Hallelujah. So, if you want to build a large church, you need a lot of people to help you. Yes. You need a lot of people to help you. I was telling the other time that Dr. Cho, on a Friday morning during the church go conference, he gathered 150,000 of his cell leaders to pray in a stadium. 150,000 cell leaders. Now that is not a church, that is just the, the, the cell leaders. <laughs> Amen? Do you understand that? Yes. You need a lot of people. You need a lot of people to help you. Then, 
Also, even if you said you didn't meet a lot of people, you will still realize that the four full-time people in the church cannot do the work alone. The few full-time pastors that we have in our churches cannot do the work alone. No, you cannot. You know, from time to time, I tell my church people, I tell them, please forgive me because I'm a bad pastor. No, from time to time, I tell them, I said, please forgive me because I know that I'm a bad pastor. And the reason why I tell them that is that, you know, I say, I don't know most of you. Look, I meet people who come to me. They say, Bishop, I want to come and say, I just want to come and say hello to you. So I say, how long have you been in the church? I've been here for three years. I've been here for two years. I've been here for four years. And I don't know them. I don't know them. I, the person may even be singing in the choir, you know, or do something. I don't know the person. But I remember that in the life of my ministry, at different stages, I used to know all my church members. By the way, every person, okay, must know up to 70 people. 70 people. Every person. You must know up to 70 people. So if you're a pastor, you are here, you have 50 people, you must know all of them. Yeah. You must know their names, you must know where they live, you must know uh, whether they are married, they are not married, whether they have jobs, they don't have jobs, what is their problems. Up to 70 people, you must know all of them. Beyond that, it becomes a struggle. So I remember at different stages, because I've pastored, I've pastored, you know, um, several churches in my pastoral um, ministry, that I used to know the people. But now, I don't know most of the people. But this is the good news. This is the good news. Through the lay ministry, involving my lay people, I know the people indirectly because I have grouped the people in smaller, 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 smaller groups and I've put my lay people over them. So my lay people know them. And when it really matters, they'll bring them for me also to know them. So in a certain sense, even though I am struggling to know them directly, there's a system that helps me to know them and to take care of them. Can I have an amen? So even if you try, you will soon realize that you will not be able to do all the work by yourself. Pastors, many of you are dying because you are carrying all the load on your own. You are dying. That's why you are looking old. You are only 35 years, but you are looking like a, a 53-year-old man. You've carried the burden of the ministry all on yourself. And sometimes the reason why pastors do that is because Pastors are insecure. You, they want to be the man of God. I am the man of God. I'm the man of God. When I come, everybody lies down. Everybody sells me water. I'm the person that everybody, you know, looks up to here. Do you understand it? But let me tell you something. 
You are the man of God. It's true. But God always surrounds God's servants with other people to help him. Yeah. Joshua and her held the hand of Moses during the battle of the Amalekites. And as long as they were able to keep his hands up, they were winning the battle. And when his hands were weary, they were missing the battle. Amen. So you need to involve other people. Give other people the opportunity. Sometimes pastors are afraid that the people that, you know, and that then if they give them opportunity, they will outshine them. Listen, even if they preach better than you, it does not not make them the pastor because you, the pastor, is an office that God has put you there. And that office, nobody can remove you from it. It's a good place for you to clap your hands for the Lord. Oh yeah, you are occupying an office. I mean, you, you can preach better than Bishop uh, Lager. If one of his pastors, you can preach better than him. Why not? But it does not make you the bishop. Because he's occupying a God-given office. Which, as for that one, it doesn't take preaching, it doesn't take gifts, it doesn't take ability, it takes the sovereign decision of God to choose. Just like Jacob and Esau. Amen? The scripture says in Romans chapter 9 about Esau and Jacob that the children not yet being born and having not done any evil nor good. But that the will of God concerning election must come to pass. It was said to Rebecca that the older shall save the younger. For Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. What then? Is there any unrighteousness with God? For hath not the potter power over the same lamp to make one a vessel of honor and the other of dishonor. Therefore he has said I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I have compassion on whom I have compassion. Therefore, it is not of him that will it, neither of him that run it, but it is of God that showeth mercy. So, it is God's decision to put him here as the bishop. That is why you must be secure. You must be secured. As I'm here, I've left my church. I have in my cathedral, how many pastors do we have? We have 29 pastors in my cathedral. 29 pastors. I've shared the work among them. They are doing it. This month, we have a big celebration. We are, we are celebrating our cell system. I told them, I told my senior, uh, uh, senior most associate, I said, have a meeting. Draw up a program. Discuss it. Implement it. They came to see me. I gave them one or two guys and that is it. They are doing it. In the different parts of Accra. They are doing it. I leave the church to them. Services. Preach. You preach. You do this. 
you know, and all that. This one, he wants a service every Thursday. He doesn't. I don't go there. I don't go there. I don't go there. Listen, you cannot do the work alone. You can't. So that is where the lay ministry becomes important. And today, God is going to give you this powerful key. Hallelujah. God is going to give you this powerful key that is going to help you. Can I have an amen? Alright. Now, the word layman or lay people is translated from the Greek lykos. Lykos is L-A-I-K-O-S. Lykos. Hallelujah. Okay. And lykos simply means having no skills. So when I talk about the lay ministry, I am talking about a certain group of people in your church that you can use to help you. Now, like us, lay people, what does it mean? A layman is an ordinary person. An ordinary person. How many of ordinary people in your church? They are not, they are not pastors. They are not prophets. They are not evangelists. They are not bishops. They are not apostles. They are just ordinary members of the church. How many of you have some? Yes. Those are the laymen. A layman is a normal person. A layman is a commonplace person. A commonplace person. The commonplace men and women, boys and girls in your church, are people that you can deploy to help you to build a mega church. A layman is, a, is an usual person. A layman is a regular person. A layman is a common person. A layman is an everyday person. Everyday person. A layman is an average person. Your average church members, when you ask them, quote John 3.16, they get angry with you. Do you understand it? They're average. They don't know mass scriptures. Eh? They can't open the, open the, um, the scriptures. And now, you know, this thing that we do, the, the, the scriptures that we project, do you see, Bishop, I've been wondering whether it helps us. Because now, Many of our church members don't come to church with Bibles. They don't. They don't. They don't come with Bibles. Their Bible is this. So now we are having a generation of Christians who cannot open the Bible. So one of the things that I insist is that everybody have a Bible. And I tell the guys, I said, if I don't ask you to, to project a scripture, don't. So, so, so I mentioned a scripture and I said, everybody open it. That is the type of people that we have in the churches. And yet, God can use these people to help you to build a church. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Amen. And a layman is someone who is not a professional. It's not a professional. So everybody look into your church. The people who are not professional pastors, they are not apostles, they are not, you know, uh, bishops, they are not this, they are not, they are your laymen. I'm trying to explain to you who are the laymen that I'm talking to you about this morning. A layman is someone who is not an expert. He's not an expert. Yeah. A layman is someone who is not specialized. 
A layman is someone who is not skilled. He's not skilled. He can't preach. He can't preach the word of God. He can't quote scriptures. He doesn't know how to visit. He doesn't know how to, to witness to souls. These are the ordinary people. That is why they are called the lay people. We the pastors, we are called the clergy or the pastors. We are the experts. We are the specialists. We have been called. We have been anointed. We have been instructed in the things of God. But apart from us, God has given us a lot of people who are not experts, who are ordinary people, and God wants you to pay them into workers to help you to build your church. Hallelujah. Amen. A layman is someone who is not trained. So the ordinary people in your church that I'm talking about, they are not trained. They don't have any training in terms of ministry things, pastoral things, church work. They are not trained. A layman is someone who is not certified. They don't have any certificates. A layman is someone who is not licensed. They are not licensed as pastors. How many of you have such people in your church? Let me see your hand. We have such people in your church, pastors. Alright? And those of you who are church workers who are sitting down here, you are laymen. You are not experts in the things of God. Are you pastors? Pastor, are you a pastor? Are you an apostle? Eh? So you are a layperson. Hallelujah. So in every profession, there are experts and then there are laymen. For example, for example, I am sure that if somebody right now woke up to say, my head, my head, I have headache. There are many of us here who prescribe things to the person. Oh no, take Panadol, take Paracetamol, do you have Paracetamol here? Take Paracetamol, maybe it is malaria and all that. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, why? Because even though we are not trained doctors, through life experience, at least we understand one or two medicines that can be used to treat common elements. Do you understand it? But when it gets to a certain point, you realize that an expert is required. Come, my brother. Come. Come, stand here. Now look at this, my brother. Make your hand like this. Very good. And then this your hand, make it like this. Laris. Laris. Yes. Now, if this is your family member, or your church member, or your friend, and then you see him making his hand like this, you say, hey, what's your name? Brother Nicholas, after the church go conference, he has become very anointed. When he's standing, his hand shakes like this. And a mountain has come upon him. You see, as a layman, that is what you say. Now, when I come to him, I'll just flip his eyelid. And when I see that his eyelid is yellow, and his hand is this, based on my expert training, I will know that he is in danger of losing his life within the next 24 hours. Why? Because his liver is failing. 
He has developed liver, acute liver failure. And that is why he's having what you call hepatic flap. But you are saying he's very anointed. But you see, I forgive you when you say he's very anointed because you are a layman. But even, if, even as a layman, I can train you to be able to give some medicines. Clap your hands for the Lord. God bless you. So, the point I'm trying to make is that we have a lot of people in our churches who are ordinary people. They can't open the Bible. They can't pray. They can't teach the word of God. They understand it. They can't witness. They themselves, even their spiritual lives, it's nothing to write home about. And yet, these are the people that God has given to you. That if you as a pastor, you take your time to train them, equip them, and give them ministerial skills, they will stand with you and help you to build a large church. Now, all throughout history, all throughout history, ordinary people have done great things in human history. Let me give you examples. Alright? Number one, lay people were the pillars of the great reformation of the church. The great reformation that was undertaken by, by, by uh, Martin Luther and, and Zwingli and all these type of people, alright, uh, was made possible by lay people. Ordinary people. Now, the Bible for many years was translated only into Latin. So it was only the clergy, the pastors, the priests, who could read. Why Martin Luther, I was telling yesterday the importance of uh, reading a book, is that also? When he got the revelation that salvation comes through uh, faith in God and it's by grace. One of the things that he did was that he translated the Bible which was in Latin to ordinary German language. So suddenly, the ordinary people had access to the word of God. And they began to study and say, wow, is this what is written in the word of God? And that gave flames to the information. Ordinary people. Ordinary people were the architects of the information. Now, the great Methodist Church, founded by John Wesley, eh? the great Methodist Church, founded by John Wesley, was built, developed, established, and it progressed mightily through the use of ordinary people called lay preachers. Up to today, those of you who used to go to Methodist Church, they see what they call lay preachers, who used to go around circuits preaching on horsebacks. On horsebacks. Just, yeah, John Wesley would just do some handouts for them and send them. They were not priests, they were not ordained, but they went about preaching. That is how come the Methodist Church became the great Methodist Church that up to today. I don't know if your country, but in my country, you go to the remotest village as a Methodist Church. 
It's a method church. That is there. And it has been made possible through the use of lay people. Welcome, pastors. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm trying to show you, I'm trying to lay a very solid foundation that not using the ordinary people that God has given you in your churches is hurting you. It's hurting you. It's hurting you. Don't make yourself a superman. I'm the only man of God. You come to the church. You are only, we respect you for that. But if you are going to use that alone, you are going to die. When Jethro, when Jethro visited his father-in-law, Reverend Dr. Apostle Bishop Moses, in the wilderness. Now, Bible scholars tell us that anywhere between 2.5 to 3 million uh, 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 Jewish people left Egypt. So can you imagine? He was pastoring a church of up to about 3 million people in the wilderness. And so his father-in-law came to him in Ezra chapter 18. And then what did he see? Reverend Dr. Apostle Bishop Moses, because he has crowned all the titles to himself. You don't want to share any title with anybody. You are the bishop, you are the apostle, you are the pastor, you are the choir leader, you are everything. It's amazing. It's amazing. He saw Moses getting up early in the morning and counseling the people, ministering to the people, advising the people going into their issues from morning to evening. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? So he told him, Exodus 18, where we, he told him, he said, the thing that you are doing, it is not good. And he gave you two reasons why it is not good. He said, number one, you kill yourself, and number two, you kill the people too. You kill yourself, and you kill the people. And he said, let me give you advice. If you want to continue a ministry, I want to give you advice. Rather, appoint leaders. Some of the leaders made them leaders over a thousand people. Some of the leaders made them leaders over a hundred people. Some of the leaders made them leaders over fifty people. And some of the leaders made them leaders over ten people. Let these leaders sort out the day-to-day matters of the people. And as for you, become God to them. Be with God. Be with God. And if there is any serious matter, then they will bring it to you. Hallelujah. I get what I'm saying. And Moses did exactly that. He made use of the ordinary people who were in the congregation, set them up as elders to help him to minister. Can I have an amen? amen. Alright. Now, lay people were the pillars of the largest single church in the world. The largest single church in the world is the Yoldo Four Gospel Church. Pioneered by Dr. Yonggi Cho in 1958. As at 2008, when he retired and gave the pulpit to another pastor, the church had grown from five members to 830,000 members. Yeah. Now, who are the people who built the church? Let me give you the story behind it. For the first about 10 years, Dr. Cho labored 
to build a church alone. He labored to build a church alone. He, he called himself the great throne. <laughs> he, has, he has a book. Successful um, Successful Cell System. Yes. Alright. Or Successful Cell Groups. Get it and read it. This story, you read it in it. He tells us the story behind how he came by the idea of the cells. He called himself the great throne. He said he wanted to be the, the, the Billy Graham of Korea. He wanted to build the largest church in Korea. So he took the ministry upon himself to do everything. He didn't even pay attention to his wife. His wife nearly, you know, he, his wife became so depressed. And his mother-in-law came to him and said, listen, from the way you are going, your wife is going to leave you. He also stayed home. Every day, moving up and down. Great show, trying to do the work of God on his own. And then, he became sick. He collapsed a couple of times at the pulpit. If at one time he was baptizing people, um, and he was, he was exhausted, there was a pastor, a white man, with him. And he said, look, let me help you. He said, oh, no, 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 I want to do it alone. And he collapsed. And he collapsed in the pulpit several times. And his heart now started to beat very fast. He became very, very weak. And now he couldn't pastor again. He couldn't pastor. He couldn't pastor. And he went to the Lord to pray. And the Lord told listen to this. The Lord told him, this is your illness. I will heal you in 10 years time. Yes. I will heal you in 10 years time. So during those 10 years, he could barely minister. But he had more time to pray. He had more time to study the word. And during those years, he wrote, I think, two books on healing. And then, in those years that he could not, you know, preach and do anything, as he was thinking about the ministry, how should I do the ministry? Then the Lord said to him, let my people go. He just heard the voice of the Lord, let my people go. So he said, Lord, which people? Which people? He said, the people that have given you in the church, let them go and serve me. So what, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? He said, the people that are given to you, I want you to train them and release them so that they can serve me. So it was the development of that voice and that idea that eventually led him to come out of the cell system. Which based on which the church grew and multiplied. And after 10 years, the Lord healed him. He became strong and continued. But the lesson that he learned was that I cannot do the ministry alone. Hallelujah. So when you go to that church, you see ordinary people, ordinary people, eh, serving the Lord, especially women. Look, sisters, you are very great. Sisters, you are very, very great. And I'd like to encourage all pastors, train your, your ladies in the church and use them. Now, women, in terms of ministry, are more fruitful than men. Oh yeah. Why do I say so? Number one, where there are women, men will come. Number two, where there are women, children will come forth. Number three, listen to this, women are 
the species that God put a natural womb in to bring forth children, not men. So women by their constitution, even their natural constitution, right, are predisposed to bearing children. Number four, women tend to have more faith than men. They believe. Women believe. They believe. And women are more faithful than men because they are not seeking to compete with the pastor. They are very happy in the church. When you appoint a woman as a choir leader, she's very happy. She can be there for five years. She's very happy. A man wants to compete with the pastor. A man has the idea to go and start his own church. Women, they are just there. I mean, doing the work. So, process. If you want to be fruitful, train your women and release them. And the women, they love the pastors generally. Except that, except that pastors, let me warn you, sometimes their love also crosses the border. So, you have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Now, not all male pastors are called to work with ladies. Some of you male pastors don't try to work to work with any lady. It will be a disaster. It's better for you to work with men. Oh yeah. Amen. Because the ladies sometimes they cross the line. They love the anointing to the extent that they are ready to give them all. And then also, once they get married and then the children come, then they become slack, you know, and says, but ordinarily, women are very, very powerful as ministry vessels. Amen? So I've shown you, I'm trying to open your eyes to what ordinary people have done, even historically. The Reformation, the Methodist Church, eh, the greatest single church on earth today, has been built through ordinary people. Ordinary people. Amen. And when I talk about ordinary people, I'm talking about volunteers, workers who are not paid by the church. Who are not paid by the church. Can you pay everybody? Alright? And many of you are paying everybody. I'm going to talk more about that later on. You are paying everybody in the church. That is why you don't have money. That's why you don't have money. You cannot build the church successfully when you use the church money to pay everybody. Yeah. And many of you, you do that. But after this conference, God is going to give me higher wisdom. And you are going to go away from that. Can I have an amen? Hallelujah. Next one. Let people are the pillars of huge networks of churches originating from Ghana and Nigeria. Lay people are the pillars of huge networks of churches originating from Nigeria and Ghana. Now, my own denomination, Lighthouse Chapel International, all right, is, is, is a layman's church. Yeah. More than 70% of the 2,500 pastors that we have are lay pastors. They are lay pastors. They are doctors, they are engineers, they are market women, they are farmers, they are carpenters, they are um, hair saloon 
are owners, market women, teachers, civil servants, are private businessmen who do their own work. And then, in the evenings and over the weekends, they also do pastoral work. Most of our churches are pastored by lay people. Most of them. Now, I have a good example. Stand up, uh, uh, Pastor Tamba. This is your countryman. Pastor Tamba, uh, Reverend Tamba, is a Ceylonian. He used to work with the UN. And all throughout his working life, he has been a lay pastor. We appointed him as pastor how many years ago? Ten years ago. Ten years ago. Yeah. Ten years ago. And throughout, everywhere, he went to Ethiopia to start our church there. That church is still there today. And he built a real church building like this. This one. He alone. He alone. He went to Zambia. And when he got to Zambia, he started a church. That church is still there today. And he built a physical church building which is there today. Can I have an amen? Yeah. Huh? yeah. This is an example. We have never paid him your coins. Your coins your is what? Cent. Cent. Have we paid you even one cent before? Pastor Tom McCann, please speak the truth and shame the devil. In all these 10 years, how much money has the church given you like that church international? Nothing. Now, he rather, this man, he rather sponsors people to Bible school. He rather takes care of missionaries. We have several missionaries. Some of them are here. Can you stand up? Some of them are here. These are missionaries. You are right. You are right. Sorry. Makemi. You are Makemi. You are right. Jue. You too, Jue. Jue, Jue. What about you? Kenema. What about you? Kenema. This man. He has to look after all of them. Not only him. Many, 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 many people who are not full-time pastors, but lay pastors, and they are pastoring churches, and they are not paid. They are not paid. Thank you so much. God bless you. If you take, there's a church in Ghana, I'm sure there will be some here, it's called the Church of Pentecost. Do you have Church of Pentecost here? Yeah. Church of Pentecost originated in Ghana. It was started by an Irish uh, missionary who was called James McKeel. He came from Ireland to start the church, I think in the, either in the, in the 40s or the 50s. All right? The church of Pentecost, as, as of today, has over 20,000 branches all over the world. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Eh? Majority of the pastors, they don't even call them pastors, they call them elders. They don't call them pastors, they call them elders. They are ordinary people. Pastors, are you here or you go home? God is showing you something great. Look, from after this conference, we are going to use this wisdom to build a successful church. Hallelujah. Your ordinary people are the weapons that God has given to you to help you to build a large church. Church of Pentecost all over the world. All over the world. Whenever a Lighthouse Chapel International member travels to another country, when he gets there, and he tells us, I've come to Sayo, I'm in Freetown, start a church. Start a church. Start a church. 
Two days ago, I met uh, one of them. You know, he's a, a lay pastor. He's been transferred to this city. He's been here for four, four months. And he's already working. He's already working. When you go to Nigeria, redeem church of God. Redeem church of God. In terms of spread. I listen to me. In terms of spread. Probably is the largest charismatic Pentecostal denomination in the world. It's in Nigeria. Reverend Adiboli. In terms of spread, when I say spread, the number of countries where they are. Yeah. They are more advanced than Light Touch Up International. And within church, when you go to Nigeria, okay, you find a redeemed church here. And then here, there's a redeemed church. Under, there's a redeemed church. On the stage, there's a redeemed church. Across the road, there's a redeemed church. Pastor, Pastor what's the name? Are you saying a Nigerian? Yeah. Is it true? Yes, sir. Every street. Almost every street. Now, in the same building like this, underground, there's one branch. Here, there's a, a branch. And then the balcony, too, is another branch. Different branches, pastored by different people. But this is the key. Most of the pastors are lay pastors. That's the key. That's the key I'm trying to let you understand. That's the key I'm trying to let you understand. I was telling uh, Dr. Howard that we have 150,000 branches of lighthouse in the U.S. You will imagine it, uh, Dr. Howard. Out of the 150 branches, all right, I don't know the exact number of pastors, but the pastor definitely will be, you know, uh, Towards 200, because in some of the churches we have two pastors, one pastor, you know, and all that. Out of them, I can tell you the number of full-time pastors. They are just about three. They are just about three. Three. They are just about three. One of which is the bishop who is in charge of all that area. He's, he's, he's uh, in charge of our bishop's council. Can you imagine that? One people churches... Most of them are pastored by ordinary people. And that is why the church has spread and continues to spread. And that is why the church has grown and continues to grow. Because a few full-time pastors cannot build the church of God. So if that's all, we are serious to take Sierra Leone and to take Liberia and to take Ghana, We've got to raise up a lot of ordinary people, laborers, laborers, who will be ready to be sent to go to do the work of God. This year, we have changed the policy, uh, our after graduation policy of our Bible school. What we used to do is that, if there was even a time, I think about about ten years ago. That when you finish Bible school, we will send you, and then we used to give them like three years support. We used to rent uh, big um, apartments for them, you know, and all that. And then we realized that many of them were not serious. They, they, they couldn't do the church work. So we reduced it to one year. They will reduce it to six months. Now, our policy is that after Bible school, there is no support. Go to a town. Go to a village and find something to do. Find a trade to do. Become a carpenter. Become a, a businessman. 
find some teaching job to do. Because all these guys here, they are, they are, they are graduates. They are finding jobs to do. And now when you get a job, now start a church. And do it as a lay pastor. And as the church flourishes, and it gets to a point where the church can take off you, then you now enter the ministry fully. Yeah? Yeah. Now, based on this principle, we can, set, we can start churches anywhere. <laughs> yeah? We have sent somebody to Solomon Islands. Solomon Islands. He's there. He's been a church. Within one year, he has over 100 people there. We've sent somebody to Vanatu. The pastor who went to Vanatu, he went to Vanatu from the UK. He has British citizenship. And we have moved him from UK to Vanatu. A couple of years ago, you know, the bishop sent a couple in the UK. The lady was a barrister, a prosecutor, a UK trained prosecutor with her husband there. And they said, we want to do the work of God. The bishop said, okay. Oh yeah, money. From UK to money. They went. And today, we have a church in Mali. Yeah. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Is the Lord speaking to you? Is the Lord speaking to you? You see, the reason why I'm giving you all these examples so that you realize that it is not theory. What I'm talking about, lay ministry and the mega church, so you can see that it is not theory. Hallelujah. Mama, you're welcome. Amen. What do you think? Huh? Now, let's look at lay people and great achievements in the secular world. In the secular world. In the secular world, what are ordinary people done? Number one, the great government system of democracy was best through lay people. Democracy, what is democracy? Government of the people by the people, for the people. The great system of democracy was fought for. It was ordinary people who said, no, we cannot let a few uh, 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 elites and a few rich men and a few aristocrats to be lording it over us all the time. No, no. So they fought. They fought wars. They fought revolutions. The French Revolution is an example. So many different things to say, no, now we, we should all be able to choose our leader. Look at what has happened in America. Huh? Look at what has happened in America. America is in shock. America is in shock because somebody who they thought does not qualify by the American standards to be the president of the United States of America, they call him the most powerful person on earth. And I always ask them, who told them that? They call the American president the most powerful person. And I always ask them, who called them that? I am the most powerful person on earth. I have the Holy Spirit in me. How many most powerful people are you? The Bible says, my little children, you have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than the devil who is outside. Yeah, how can, how can the American president be the most powerful? But you see, that's what they talk. They call, they call the White House the hot, the most hot. Eh? The safest house 
on the earth. Everything is. When America is playing baseball, baseball, they call it the World Series. Can you imagine that? Now, this man, not only to be an American president, number one, you shall be a governor of a state. The U.S. has about 52 states. You shall be a governor of a state, or you shall be what we call a parliamentarian. They call it a congressman or a senator. Or you shall be a diplomat. And even the, the best of it is that you should have served in the U.S. Army. So many of the American presidents, Eisenhower eh, and all these people, served in the American Army. They served. Now, this new person who has come, Donald Trump, is just a, a businessman. Just a businessman who has been building, you know, tall, tall buildings. Over the years. Do you see? So when he announced last year, 16 months ago, that he wanted to stand as the Republican. They have two main parties, the Republican Party and then the Democratic Party. If you pastors, I told you yesterday, that's why you must read. So when you are a pastor, you must read so that you can understand what is going on. You must listen to the news. You shouldn't always be quoting scriptures. How many of you are enjoying what I'm talk talking to you about? Now this is history. This is it's not in the Bible. I get it. But when, when you use it, it helps the people to understand the message. Because I'm trying to I'm trying to talk to you about the fact that it is lay people who brought about this great uh, governance system called democracy. Now, so he stood on the Republican Party ticket as a nominee. He stood with 16, 16 elite people. Any of them could be the president of, of the U.S. Any of them. Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, all these people. And people who have money, lawyers, and all kinds of people. The top, the best of the top. He stood against them. And he won. They couldn't believe it. Now when he won, then the Democrats also chose a lady. A lady who has been almost like a president before. Because the, 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 apart from the president, the toppest job in the U.S. is, a, is a, they call it the Secretary of State. This lady was Secretary of State. He has been in government service for 30 good years. He has, she has served as a senator. Eh? Different things, known everywhere. So when Donald Trump stood with him, everybody said, you have no chance. You have no chance. Do you understand it? But he shocked everybody. He shocked everybody. And now there's a debate in America. How did he do it? How did he do it? How did he do it? For a spiritual person like me, I'll tell you that that is the hand of God. That's my shortest answer for you. Yeah. For me, if you ask me, I'll say, that is God. But they are asking, how did he do it? And one of the things that he did, listen to this. One of the things that he did is that he spoke to the ordinary people. He spoke to ordinary Americans who don't have college education. Eh? Over 70% of uh, five Americans who don't have college education voted for him. All these professors and all that voted for him, but the ordinary people said, this is our man. 
He understands our language. He knows what we are going through. He spoke to the online people. And how many of you know that the online people are always in the majority? Eh? So the online people say, Hey, this is our champion. Hey, this is our champion. They voted for him. Now he's the president. They can't believe it. He's the president. They can't believe it. So listen, the ordinary people have a lot of power that, that can be used to build the church of God. Can I have an amen? amen? How many of you are going to use your ordinary people? Your lay people? Are you going to use them? Are you going to use them? Huh? Number two, the great superpower America was giving birth to through lay people. Yes, the great superpower, America. America was founded by ordinary people. The American Revolution is a classic example of the power of the common or layman in shaping history. The common man gets back to a superpower. At the turn of the last century, the American Revolution was a successful experiment that marked the transition of a world controlled by a few to a world controlled by many. The revolution was largely shaped by small revolutionary organizations such as the Sons of Liberty. These organizations were not controlled by the rich and powerful landowners, but common people of average social status. They came together to plant the seeds of their Revolution. Amen? So the America that we know today, a powerful superpower, that is how it came about. Now, in America, a powerful superpower was built by ordinary people. Through your ordinary people, you can also build a mega church. I said you can also build a mega church. I said you can also build a mega church. I said you can also build a mega church. Can I have a believing amen? Hallelujah. And finally, the historic election victory of Barack Obama came through ordinary people. <laughs> now, who was Barack Obama? He was a young black senator. A young black senator. Blacks in America don't have a chance. They don't. Not that the chance is not there, but they don't have it. But he stood up to say, I want to be the first black man to be the president of America. Wow. And once again, he stood against Hillary Clinton. This is Hillary Clinton. Now, Hillary had the support of the American, the American election. One of the things that makes it difficult is that you need a lot of money. Because they have planes flying around. You have to do commercial. So many things. Set up offices. So you need a lot of money. Hillary Clinton was supported by the rich Democrats. They all supported and gave her a lot of money. Barack Obama didn't have money. Do you know what he did? He went to the ordinary man. He went to the ordinary people and told them, don't give me $10,000. Don't give me $1,000. Give me $10. Give me $5. Give me $15. Give me $20. And he raised up such small, 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 small amount of money 
for millions of ordinary Americans. And listen to this. In the history of American elections, Barack Obama raised up the highest money ever. Ever. How did he do it? To ordinary people. Brothers and sisters, how many of you are convinced now that your ordinary people are powerful? The ordinary church members. Are you going to use them? Clap your hands for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So, that is the first thing that I want you to know about the lay ministry. Now, the question we must ask ourselves is that the lay ministry, is it biblical? Is it scriptural? Is it in the Bible? Is it something that God commands us to do? Because as ministers, we must make sure that whatever we are doing in the ministry has a biblical, scriptural foundation. Is that not so? Yes. And the answer is a big yes. Now, let me give you an example. Daniel, the prophet Daniel. Was he a man of God? Was he a man of God? I can't hear you. Was Daniel a man of God? Was he a prophet of God? But he was also a member of parliament. And then he became the vice president. Daniel. Daniel. So he was a government official. And at the same time, he was a man of God. Wow. What about Dr. Luke? Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke was not one of the twelve apostles. But he wrote the book of Luke. And then he wrote the book of Acts. He traveled with them. What was he doing? He was serving as a helper to their ministry. And he was a physician. Hallelujah. He was a physician. And he was looking after himself and he was serving also in the ministry. What about Apostle Paul? Apostle Paul was a lay pastor. Look at Acts chapter 18. Let's read from Acts chapter 18 from verse 1. Acts chapter 18 and from verse 1. Acts chapter 18 and from verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because, because that Claudius and Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. Verse 3. And because he was of the same craft, Paul, the word craft means profession. Okay? Profession. Trade. And because what of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought for by their occupation they were tent makers. So Paul was a tent maker. Paul was making tents. And he made a tent, saw the tent, got money, and looked after himself as he went about preaching. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? 
I'm asking a question. Isn't that amazing? Go call Paul in Acts chapter 13. He said to the people, separate unto me Barnabas and Paul for the work that where to have called them. And they went preaching. They preached over all of Asia and crossed into Macedonia, which is uh, which is a present day Greece, preaching. And Paul was doing that as a lay person. As a lay person. Verse 33. Or pick it even from verse, verse uh, 32. Verse 32. This same, Acts chapter 20 from verse 32. Acts 20, verse 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God, this Paul speaking, and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Verse 33. Look at verse 33. I have converted no man's silver or gold or apparel Continue. Ye yourself, yeah, ye yourself know that these hands, these hands, have ministered unto my necessity and to them that were with me. Paul was saying, these hands, as I've been ministering, I've been ministering and using these hands to provide for my needs. He provided for himself. Nobody was paying. understand it. Well, are you there? These hands of mine. So listen, there are a lot of people sitting in your churches who are carpenters, who are doctors, who are fishmongers, who you must train to help you in the work. And they will do it and use their trade and their profession to look after themselves. Paul said, you yourself know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. So Paul was telling them, I have been moving around doing ministry. Nobody has been paying me. I have been looking after myself. When I talk to you about using lay people, I am talking about your people who are sitting in your church, who are market people, business people, teachers, civil servants. They have their own work. Like our sister who came up here, up uh, yesterday in the evening to give a testimony, so she's a, a director or something. She's working and then she's preaching. You don't need to pay them. And they can help you to achieve a lot. So the lay ministry is not a man's idea. It is not Bishop in Temple who is trying to talk to you about the lay ministry. The lay ministry is a doctrine in the Bible. Hallelujah. Can I have an amen? Can I have an amen? amen? And I've shown you that powerful churches all over the world have used this church to build their churches. I'll give you several examples. And the Bible says that these things were done for our examples. Can I have an amen? amen. Can I have an amen? amen. Yeah. In contemporary terms, in contemporary terms, my bishop, Bishop Dag, started the ministry as a lay pastor. He started the ministry as a lay pastor. He started the ministry when he was a medical student. Nobody paid him. 
Then, when he started working as a doctor, he continued. After two years, he resigned. And when he resigned, he had no money. So what he did was that he became a sand and stone contractor. So he was supplying sand and stone to people who were building houses and used that money to look after himself. <laughs> so for several years of the existence of Lighthouse Chapel International, Bishop Dad was a lay pastor. Can I have an amen? Now I was a lay pastor for 14 years. I was a lay pastor for 14 years. From 1994 to 2014 and 2008. 14 years. Now during that time, the bishop sent me to pioneer seven churches. As a lay pastor. He sent me, go here, go here. And I always pastored from afar. Very far places. I bought my own petrol. I drove my own car. For years, 14 good years. The church didn't pay me a penny. I had no salary. There was nothing like allowance. And the lay ministry that I'm talking about, Bishop, I'm not talking about the lay ministry that you give people allowances. Transport allowance, you know, book allowances. No, I'm talking about dry. We don't give you anything. We don't give you anything. We don't give you anything. Hallelujah. And this is the way. I said, this is what? The way. This is the way. I did it for 14 years. And I pioneered, I pioneered seven churches. Yeah. Three of those churches today are pastored by bishops. I started those churches as a lay pastor. Those churches are pastored by bishops now. And they are huge cathedrals. Huge. With thousands of people in them. But I did it as a lay pastor. Can I have an amen? Can I have an amen? Uh, yeah. Listen. The church has no money to pay for every service. So it is time for you to rise up and use your ordinary people. Stand to your feet and lift up your hands. I want you to pray to the Lord. I want you to pray to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for this wisdom that you have given to me. Let me use this wisdom to build a church that you have given unto me. Lift up your hands and pray. Lift up your hands and pray. Lift up your hands and pray. Lift up your hands. I want to hear you pray. Masoka Palibo Shibaza Katani Boyanta Livako Tababa Shiba Lift up your voice and pray Lord thank you for this wisdom Thank you for this wisdom I want to use this wisdom To build your church To build your church Lord we thank you for this wisdom We thank you for this wisdom We thank you Lord We thank you Lord May this wisdom be deployed To build your church O oh God To expand your kingdom O oh God To expand your work O oh God 
God. Upestan your work, O God. Lord Jesus, we pray. Thank you for this wisdom. Mazoka palibro shaba. Imaka palibro shibayaka. Liroko toprobo zipazilian tolema. Rapapa shabaya palibro bobo shaba kapaha. Ilonda palibre kendele bobo zipro kapahaya kaba. Rako taba labra palababaha. Iko taba bababaha. Lord, we pray for lay people, 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 lay people. We pray for lay people, we pray for ordinary people, we pray for common people, we pray for ordinary people. Lord, raise lay workers, raise lay people, raise ordinary people in better world ministry. Lord, we pray, raise lay people, raise ordinary people to build your church, O God, to expand your church, O God. To expand your church, O God. To expand your church, O God. Rabo Fazima Kapali Brosibeka. Iya Fonema Supreka Tonema. Araba Kapali Brobozeyaka. Iya Kapali Broboshabaya Tolima. Ikosiketaka. Iya Kabale Boboborakataba. Arabo Boziakata. Iko Shabaya Balababa. We pray for lay people. We pray for lay people. We pray for volunteers. We pray for volunteers. We pray for ordinary people. Lord, raise them, Lord. Raise them, O God. Raise lawyers. Raise bankers. Raise carpenters. Raise messes. Raise traders. Oh, raise them, O God. So help with the work. So help with the work. So help to do the work. So help to build a large church. So help to build a mega church. So help to build a large church. So help to expand the church. To expand the church. To expand the church. To send the church. To the provinces to send a church to the provinces to send a church to the provinces raise them up 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 rasubala he broke up about a young cavalo we broke up a libra cavalo little possible hallelujah god bless you may be seated amen how many of you understand what God is sharing with you? Eh? God is giving you a powerful key. Brother, I heard that next year you want to do great things. Raise up the ordinary people in the church. That is the only way. That is the only way. What I'm teaching you is God's wisdom. Don't reject it. Now, look at Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16. The next thing that I want to talk about, listen to me, is that what happens when there are no laymen and volunteers in the church? What happens? What happens? What happens when there are no laymen or volunteers in the church? Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16. That said the Lord, send ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. God is saying, I want you to go back and ask for the old path for ministry. How was ministry done? How was ministry done? 
history, when the, when the white missionaries came to Africa, when they came to Seoul, Jerusalem, when they came here, there were banks here for them. Were there banks to pay them? They came to do mining. Is that what they came to do? No. When they came here, they did farming and they did some other things to be able to find some money to live by. That's what they did. Listen, the ancient part, he said, he said, stand in the way and see and ask for the old parts. Ask for the old parts. The old parts, how, how ministry was done. Where it is a good way, and that is a good way. The lay ministry is a good way. Not people to do the work of God is the good way. And walk in it. Walk in the lay ministry. And you shall find rest. God wants to give you rest in the ministry. But they said, we will not walk therein. We won't do it. Hallelujah. Now I want to share with you, if you don't have volunteers, and you don't have lay people in your church, what happens? Number one. Number one. If you do not allow volunteers to work in the ministry, you will kill the Christian principle of sacrifice in the church. You will kill the Christian principle of sacrifice in the church. Write it down. If you do not allow volunteers, if you do not allow volunteers to work in the ministry, you will kill the Christian principle of sacrifice in the church. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Hallelujah. Now, when we talk about laymen working in the church, we are talking about sacrifice. Asking people to sacrifice. Sacrifice what? Sacrifice their time. Sacrifice their time. Sacrifice their energy. Sacrifice their families. Oh, I remember when I was a lay pastor. Eh? When I was a lay pastor, now this was my daily routine. From home to the hospital, from the hospital to church, from church to home, from home to hospital, from hospital to church. For years! For years! I was a, a football lover. I never could go to the stadium. I was part of doctors' associations, private practitioners' associations. I could never attend any meetings. I had to sacrifice all those things. My wife and myself had just started giving birth. Our children were very small. I would wake them up at 4 a.m. Poor lady, safely sleeping with their children. Pack them into the car. We are going to church. We are going to do ministry. Why? Because Christianity calls for sacrifice. I said Christianity calls for what? Sacrifice. We, the pastors, must encourage our people to sacrifice. To lose something. To give us something. Give up their time. Give up the time that they used to watch TV. The time that they used to sit around chatting, watching movies, moving around. We must encourage them to use that time to serve the Lord. To go out preaching, to go out visiting the sheep, to go out casting the sheep, to go out planting churches. 
sacrifice. If you don't allow your people to be involved in the ministry, you are going to kill the Christian principle of sacrifice. And listen, in a church where the people don't sacrifice, the church is finished. It's finished. I mean, many of you pastors, you are struggling. The reason why you don't have anybody to help you is because your people are not ready to sacrifice. When you say, like, me, I'm traveling. Me, I'm going for my funeral. Me, and my, my children. Me, my, they are not ready to sacrifice. But I tell you, if you teach what I'm teaching, teaching you in your church, if you teach it, and you pray for it, and you encourage your people, you are going to have an army of people all the time. You know, in my church, Life Chapel International, we always have hundreds of people, hundreds of people who are ready to be told, go and do this. They are, they are just ready. Because over the years, that is the message that we have pumped into them. Work for the Lord. Serve the Lord. Sacrifice for the Lord. Hallelujah. That your people will sacrifice if you tell them from the pulpit. As you are, that is how your people. The pastor, the congregation is a reflection of what the pastor believes in and what the pastor teaches. And the reason why there's no sacrifice is that we the pastors we have become masters of prosperity message. Now the prosperity message is a true message but we have taken it overboard. And we have made it the main message. But the main message of Christianity is not prosperity, it's the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul said, for I, when I came unto you, eh, I did not want to see anything but Christ and Him crucified. That's all. Christ my Lord, who loved me and gave himself unto me. Can I have an amen? Yes. There is too much comfort in the church. Everybody comes to sit down and starting to receive. And it is we, the pastors, our fault. We come, we want to please the people. Oh, we sit, we sit one million million. We sit five million million. You know, enough of that rubbish. I said enough of that rubbish. Enough. That, that is why your church is not working. So your church is not working. Because they come to church, they are expecting more blessings. And look, where is the blessing? You have been preaching about the blessing for the past five years. Where is the blessing in the church? 
Why is a blessing the church? Because the blessing is linked with the work of God. Listen to this. Listen to this. The blessing is linked with the work of God. In Matthew 17, tax collectors came to Jesus asking for tax. So Jesus asked Peter, Ah, but when it comes to tax, who pay tax? Is it the children of the land or the foreigners? Then Peter said, Oh, as for the children of the land, they don't need to pay tax. It's the foreigners. Then Jesus said, Okay, in order not for us eh, to have any conflicts with them, let us pay. Then Jesus said something. Listen to this. He said, Go to the river and catch a fish and open the mouth, and there will be a coin there. Use it and pay for the tax for yourself and for me. What was happening here? What was happening here? What was happening here? Jesus was showing that the money that you need for your life is in the mouth of the sheep. It's in the mouth of the sheep. The work that you are doing, the work of the ministry, the work of, the, of preaching, missionary work, planting churches, okay, that is the work that is going to provide for you. The money that you need is in that work. So rather, when we teach our people to serve the Lord, God is going to prosper them and bless them. Stop the rubbish every time prosper receive, 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 receive what? What have they received? It is time for us to go back to the ancient landmarks. Let us tell them to die for Christ, to suffer for Christ, pay a price for their salvation, do something for Jesus. Let us ask them to go out there, win souls, pray for people, raise them up as a handed follower of Jesus Christ, and stop the rubbish in the church. Every Sunday morning, my pastors and my shepherds, our helpers, we call them the shepherds, they wake up at dawn, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. And they move into the communities with buses. <laughs> it is time to go to church. It is, rise up. They find some people asleep. Say, brother, you can't sleep. Today is Sunday. Rise up. The bus is ready. Hey, you should see them. You should see other people. We don't pay them. But they have been trained to sacrifice for Jesus Christ. Without sacrifice, the cross has lost its value. That is why there is no power in the church. The power to attract people. The power to change people. It's not there. What is it that I've sent this young man? Stand up. Look at this young man. Full-blooded young man. Look at them. These are young men. You should find them in nightclubs. Nightclubs. These are young men who should be looking for money. Working in banks. Doing galamse. Sakawa. You know, uh, uh, 419. This young man, look at them, very young. 20 something, 20 something, 20 something. We have thrown them from Ghana. We have thrown them. Come, go to Kenema. Did you know anybody when you went to Kenema? Go to Kenema. Go here, go here, go here. We've thrown them. Go to Solomon Island. Different places. They'll go to places that doing offerings, the offerings are given. In kind, cassava, gari, pepper, that's what they give. No money. But they go. This one, they have all finished investing. They go. And God is going to use them. And in a few years time, you are going to see, God is going to use them to build large churches with church buildings. This is the only way that the gospel of Jesus Christ can spread. And Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. 
Are you clapping your hands for Jesus? Thank you. Number two. Number two. If you do not allow low men to work in the ministry, you remove the opportunity for people to demonstrate faithfulness. The topic I'm talking about is the lay people. The first part I explained to you why the lay people. Now I am telling you that if you don't involve lay people, what will happen in your church? Number one, you are going to remove the Christian principle of sacrifice. Number two, alright, if you do not allow lay people to work in the ministry, you remove the opportunity for people to demonstrate faithfulness. To demonstrate faithfulness. Hallelujah. Amen. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Verses 10 to 12. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Hallelujah. If someone is not, is not faithful as a lay person, how will he be faithful when he is in a full-time ministry? Many people do not do well in full-time ministry because they did not do well as lay people. So, one of the reasons why you must allow your people is that their faithfulness will be tested. Their faithfulness will be tested. You know, sometimes people want God to give them big things. Eh? But God doesn't give big things. He gives small things. And looks at how you handle the small things that He gives you. Yeah. That is why I was telling you, was it yesterday or two days ago, that stay in the church that God has given to you and give yourself to it. Some of you, you don't love your church. You despise your church. May I have been in ministry for five years. I have only these 40 people that are here. And they say, hey, it's a blessing to have 40 people. It's a blessing to have 40 people. I teach my Bible students. I tell them. I tell them that if they are passing somewhere and they see a pastor who has gathered 10 people as his church and preaching to them I tell my Bible students go to the pastor greet him, salute him ask him to lay his hands on you and give him an offering and go because that pastor has done something very great it is not easy to gather 10 people so don't despise it but you see it is not 10 people that God wants to give to you. He wants to give you 5,000 people. 1,000 people. 500 people. But He wants to see what you do with the 10. In the same way, many of your lay people, as the ministry grows and expands, there are the people who will come and join you in full-time ministry. There are the people who will become treasurers. There are the people who will become accountants. There are the people who will help with the finances. You understand it? So through the lay ministry, you will have the opportunity to test their faithfulness. If you appoint somebody as your lay treasure and the person is stealing the money, you know that this person is not somebody that you can bring into full-time ministry. 
How many of you can understand that? But if you don't give the people to, to develop faithfulness, to show them faithfulness, to demonstrate faithfulness, how will you know? How will you know? So this is another reason why you must allow volunteers to work in the church so that they can demonstrate to you their faithfulness in what you give to them to do. Can I have an amen? amen. Can I have an amen? amen? It is not good to call somebody that you have not known to give them opportunity in the ministry. Don't make that mistake. The Bible says that a bishop must not be a novice. He should not be somebody who had just come. One of the mistakes that pastors make, especially senior pastors and founders of churches, is that they appoint people that they don't know as their pastors. Do you understand it? So somebody just comes, so Pastor, I've been to Bible school. I've been to this. Look at my certificate. This Bible school, this Bible school. So can I be a pastor in your church? Okay. Come and be my youth leader. Come and be my this. You don't know the person from anywhere. And such people are not faithful. They have not gone through the rudiment of ministry. They have not learned faithfulness. They have not learned obedience. They have not learned humility. They have not been tried and tested. So when you just appoint such people and place them, you know, in your churches and over your departments, they are likely to cause you a lot of problems. Can I have an amen? So raise up your own young men and your own young women. And say, you do this. You do this. You do this. You do this. They don't have experience. They don't have experience, but teach them. Gradually, they don't have experience. God is not looking for experienced people. God is looking for obedient, yielded vessels. That's what God is looking for. Can I have an amen? amen. Can I have an amen? amen. Yeah? Number three. Number three. If you do not allow lay people to work in the ministry, you employ people to do jobs that do not occupy them fully. If you do not allow lay people to work in the church, you employ people to do jobs that do not occupy them fully. Hallelujah. If you do not allow lay people to work in the ministry, you employ people to do jobs that do not occupy them fully. Look, you employ somebody to play the keyboard in your church. As a full-time keyboardist in your church. For 24 hours. Now let, let me ask you a few questions. Number one, how many services do you have in a week? That requires him to play the keyboard. Number two, your services, how long do they last for him to have the keyboard at the job? So you see pastors, your keyboardist is full-time pastor, your chief usher is a full-time pastor, or a full-time worker, the congas, the drama, everybody is full-time. And then you yourself, you have 25 people in your church, you have employed five of them as your bodyguards. And your armor bearers. You, you, a pastor cannot hold your Bible. You cannot hold your Bible. You cannot hold your iPad. When I come on a listen, I see the pastor, they want to hold my iPad. Why do you, why do you need to hold my iPad? For what reason? I can hold my iPad. I can hold my iPad. 
you know, Bishop says, look, there's somebody here, let him carry your bag. I can carry my bag. I'm a very young man. I can carry my bag. What passes? Let's be real. The big manism is too much. The big man, everybody said big manism. And we try to be big men. It's too much. It's too much. Get to the job. 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 And do it. doing the video, they are not full-time workers. Are they full-time workers? How are they thought? So if it is what happens, when you, when you don't allow volunteers, you see, Bishop said they are volunteers, they are all volunteers. If you don't allow it, you are going to have a lot of people who are just hanging around. You pay them, but there's no work. And you see, even the most dangerous part is that because they don't have much work, they now look at you. And they can analyze you. They can see your shoe. They can see your watch. Because they have nothing to do. They look around. They look at your haircut. They look at your wife. Do you understand it? And then now they begin to criticize you. They have stories to say. Pastor is chopping the money. Did you see his crocodile leather shoe that he brought the other time? How are you able, how are you able to differentiate between crocodile and goat and, and, and chicken? But you have too much time. Not too much time. Listen, when you go, all the people that you have employed in full-time ministry, walking around, go and sack all of them. Sack all of them. Do you know, you know Bishop Saki? Bishop Saki went to have a program in a certain East African country. I'll not mention the name. I was preaching along these lines. In a big church, very big church. After the program, the bishop went and called all the people I had a meeting with from today. All of you are sad. Because he realized that it is true. The people are walking around and not doing anything. Ah. Look, the drama must be a volunteer. The conga is a volunteer. Keyboard is a volunteer. Ashes a volunteer. I'm all better volunteer. You are your put and this year. I'm all better. What will you do? What will you do? What will you do? When a visitor comes, you have the list of some water and which that is the work that we should write a letter, full time with pension, allowance, and everything. And also you even want bonus. Look at you. You want bonus. Coming, it will blow you apart. Number four. 
If you do not allow volunteers to work in the ministry, everything done in the church will be related to money. If you do not allow volunteers to work in your church, everything done in your church will be related to money. In other words, you must pay money for everything. Yeah. Pastor Philip, you see, that is why you don't have money. That's why you don't have money. I told you that I have 29 pastors, so plus myself, we are 30 pastors. Out of the 30 pastors, in terms of the real people who are doing pastoral work, I think we are five. We are five. We are five. Yeah. We are five. The 25 are all volunteers. And the work as hard as work. My ladies are as tired as myself. Can we imagine a church with thousands of people? But only five of the pastors are paid. So all the income of the church can be used to progress the church. That is why last year alone, from February, from February 2015 to May this year, a little over one year, from my church, my churches that I oversee, we did 22 church building projects. 22. 22. That's how I have seen that. It's because the income of the church is not dissipated on salaries and bonuses. The sound technician in your church, his job is to increase the volume and to lower the volume and you pay him. You pay him for increasing the volume. Look, from today, when you go call him, he said, the volume, I'm going to begin it myself. As you are preaching, if you realize that the volume has gone down, you just put the mic down. You take the mic and you continue to preach. No, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. If you do what I'm teaching you, you'll be shocked the amount of money that will be available to you to do the work of God. Many of you don't have savings in the bank. Your church doesn't have money. Because if you get 500,000 euros on a Sunday, by the time you finish paying everybody, Chief Asha is paid. Prayer, Chief Prayer Warrior is paid. Music Director paid. Eh? Uh, Chief Asha, the one that is paid. Everybody. The guy who plays the guitar is paid. The, the keyboard is paid. Now listen, when you go, what do you lose if there's no, there's no guitar in your church? Now you tell me. You tell me. If there's no keyboard, what, what, what do you lose? What do you lose? Sack all of them. Let me ask you a question. Who was Jesus' keyboardist? Who was Jesus' guitar player? Now you tell me. And yet he built a powerful mega church which is still there more than 2,000 years. It is not by the guitar. It is not by keyboard. It is by the power of the Holy Ghost. There are all of them. The person who takes the photographs. 
you, you betray the person. Abba. Well, what is wrong with you, Pastor? That is why you don't have money. That is why your church has remained in a little tent, in a little classroom for 25 years, for 15 years. I did a research work, and the majority of the charismatic church in Ghana is meeting in temporary structures. Not that they say, this is, this is research funding. This is research funding. Yeah. Even the so called big denominations in Ghana. Eh? And it says that work was a pioneering work. The evangelism committee in Ghana, they really, really want that work. Because they can't get that, that data. Big denominations, they have the headquarters church building and one or two children. All the other churches in the provinces are meeting in classrooms and sheds and all that. So the charismatic church is so strong. So strong. In Lighthouse Chapel International, we, have, we build all the time. In the north of the country, we have put, we, have, we started 100 church building projects. We have done 70. We have done 70. We build all the time. We build all the time. All these missions that we have sent, once they get established, we are starting church buildings. Yes. If your church doesn't have a church building, you don't have a church. The day that the classroom teacher or whatever will get angry with the wife. Will get angry with the wife. Eh? The wife refuses him sex or something. He's angry at the wife and comes and look at you. Get angry with you. That's the end of your church. Pray that the wife gives him sex all the time. Yeah. If the wife refuses him sex, he gets angry. He will bring the anger on you and close down your church. Yeah. You can't meet here again. That will be the end of your 10 year old church. I hear you go home. Don't pay anybody. Don't pay anybody. Even <laughs> it's getting worse. Everybody says it's getting worse. Now, the next person you must sack is that you must sack yourself from full time ministry. Yes. You, the pastor, sack yourself from. I want to ask you a question. No 40 members in your church. Why do you need a salary from that church? 40 members, 50 members. Why do you need a salary? Why do you need a salary? Go and look for a job and pass up that church. I'm sucking you from that church. You're fine. I said you're fine. And you see, the 40 members, they cannot take care of all your problems. So always you are forced to preach prosperity message, how angels will bless them, how the wind will blow money to them, because you are thinking about your, yourself. You are thinking about yourself. Every week you are thinking how the income can increase so your salary, at least you can get money. So listen, Pastor, haven't you seen that instead of the ministry, your mind is occupied with money now? Your mind is occupied with money. How to survive? to survive. And that frustration can end by you going to look for a job. Just look for a job. Look for a job. I did medicine for 14 years. I was, I was a doctor. And African doctors are not paid much. So it's not saying that if you're a doctor, you have a lot of money. No. African doctors are not paid much. Yeah. They're not. 
My son is a medical doctor. He said they give him allowance of uh, 1,500 Ghana cities. How much dollars is that? Divide by four. That's how much? About, four, about 400. No, let's even bless him. $400. Can you imagine that? A doctor. Somebody who has been to school for six years. When he goes to work, eh, sometimes he goes to work and stays over for a night duty. So when he goes to work in the morning, he comes back the following day in the evening. And for that work, he's given $400. So a doctor doesn't earn money. But that is the money that I left on to do the lay ministry. Then later on, God bless me, I had my hospital. And that even made it better. So pastors, that size of church that you have, you can pastor it without depending on the church for money. So you yourself become a lay pastor. And you see, don't despise me, don't insult me. Don't despise. God sent me from Ghana to come and share this wisdom for you. God, God, God wants to heal your ministry. God wants to bring you life into your ministry. Oh yeah. Yes. 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 I am like Jethro who has been sent to you as Moses. And God is advising you. Don't be angry. Don't, you have been doing the wrong things. How many persons have been doing the wrong things? Honestly. Paying photographers. Even if you give them allowance, that is a pain. We shouldn't give any allowance in this church again, Bishop. No allowance. If they won't play, if they won't get tough, they should stop. You know what we must do? There's a senior pastor in Ghana. He heard Bishop Dad preaching this message. Actually, Bishop Dad went to preach this message in his church. He's a very senior pastor. He has a lot of churches. One of our main pastors in town. So he called all his uh, keyboardists, instrumentalists, and told them, he said, look, guys, from today I can't pay you again. No allowance, nothing. Do you know what they did? They all left. They all left. So, he didn't have anybody to play. So he started using soundtracks to do praise and worship. And then he gathered young men in the church and trained them. It got to a point that for every musical equipment, he had about four or five people to play. Free of charge. of charge. I don't pay anybody in my church. I have a lot of leaders. Yeah. If I gather my leaders on a Sunday afternoon to teach them, not less than 500, leaders in the church, we call them shepherds. They are there. They are working. They have what we call satellite churches, like small, small churches. 15 people, 20 people, 30 people. They have cells all over. They do different things. No payment. My choir director, no payment. Not even 500 uh, you. Nothing. I'm saying nothing. Nothing. Don't give them anything. Why? It is a Christian sacrifice. It is their sacrifice to the Lord. It is their saying... Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And you see, if you teach your people, the understanding will come. If you teach your people, the understanding will come. Wow. I can sense that many of you are very sad. Your foundations have been shaken. 
Yeah. Your foundations have been set. But you see, that's what God does. That's what God does. When God comes, He shakes your foundation. He shakes your foundation. Because if the foundation is wrong, the Bible says that if the foundations are wrong, what can the writers do? Yeah. Yeah. The foundation is wrong. That's why you don't have money. You just pay everybody. Pay people who don't have any job to do. Photographer who crack, 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 crack. Look. Buy an iPad. Okay? Buy an iPad or buy a, a techno or whatever. Small one. Learn. Look at it like that. Cow. 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 You don't need any photographer. Are you in this church? Are you paid? You are giving allowance. Uh, you better not receive. Clap your hands for Jesus. Please be seated. There's a revolution in the church. There's a revolution in the church. We have started a revolution in the Sionian church. But look at me. Look at me. You see, the Bible says wisdom is justified of her children. All those of you who are going to make use of this wisdom, in the next five years, you will see the type of church that you have. You are going to have enough money to buy a piece of land, start your church building, and build a solid church. I built a whole cathedral as a lay pastor. A whole cathedral. A whole cathedral as a lay pastor. As a lay pastor. Together with my church members. Yeah. I remember there was another piece of land, six plus, as at that time it was 480 million, which is 48,000. 48,000 Ghana cities. How much is that? Even 50,000 divided by four. 12,500. Those days. A lot of money. A lot of money. Additional six plus. And I remember the bishop came to tell me because the matter had gone to court. He said, By you, if the court says you should pay this for the land, do have money. I said, Bishop, don't worry. We have the money. I raised up the money for myself and my church members. And we paid for the land. The court gave us, the, the ruling was on Friday, and they said, by, by one week, we'll give you one week, pay. Friday, they would. Monday, we gave them the check. For myself and my church members. Today, that church is a big church. Pastor Mark was there. Yes. I'm not talking to you about theories. Stop paying everybody. And I'm saying that any pastor here of 20 members, 30 members, 40 members, 50 members, 60 members, a small church, you are not needed in full-time ministry. Go and look for a job. And rather use the income of the church to develop the church. Develop it. Build the church. If you build the church, the church will build your life. Did you hear what I said? If you build a church, the church will build your life. Anywhere I'm traveling, my church can buy the ticket. Business class, first class, anything they can buy it. Without sweat. I'm saying without sweat. Without sweat. Anything. Anything. Once you build a church, the church will build your life. If I want a house, my church can build a house for me. Or can buy a house for me. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. But you see, that is after many years, 
of sacrificing. After many years, one of the leadership principles is that is that you see the scripture says, "War is unto you when your prince eats out of pleasure and not for strength." So some of you, you are eating out of pleasure. Yeah, when the church money comes, you just dump your hand into your hand. You dump your hand into it, and you are eating it. That is why you are not progressing. You have to control yourself. You have to control yourself. And also, some of you, you treat the church's money as if it's your personal money. So that you are opening an account that only you, the pastor, you have the checkbook and you sign. So your children's coffees, you sign. Your rent, you sign. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Stand to your feet and lift up your two hands. I want you to pray and tell the Lord, give me people to serve with me in the in the ministry. Lord, give me lay people. Lift me, give me lay people. Lift up your hands and begin to pray. Lord, give me lay people. Lord, give me lay people. Lift up your voice and pray. Ask the Lord to give you lay people. Ask the Lord to give you lay people. Lord, give us lay people to help with the way. To help us to build a church. To help me to build my church. Lord, give me lay people. Lord, give me the ordinary people. Lord, raise lay people in my church. Lord, raise lay workers in my church. Lift up your voice and pray. Lift up your voice and pray. Libro sabakap holy Shaba, Ibrokotobolobo Zibra Balabayatone Maya, Eyantone Bokatali Brobo Shabakaba, Rezubra Katali Mosi Ketano, Rantone Bobo Shabayakaba, Lirakone Bezibre Katone Maya, Lord, we pray, give us lay people, 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 give us the ordinary people, the ordinary people to become pastors, to become peabodies, to become promise to become sound engineers. Give us ordinary people. Give us ordinary people. Give us lay people. Lay people as choristers. Lay people as workers. Lay people as elders. Lay people as armor bearers. Lift up your voice and pray. Lord, raise people in my church. Lord, raise people in my church. Lord, raise people in my church to help. Raise people. Touch their hearts. Let them volunteer. Let them help. Lord, let them help. Let them help. Let them help. Let your ordinary people in my church out. Let the ordinary people in my church out. Let the ordinary people in my church rise up and help. Let them help, oh God. Give me lay people, Lord. Give me lay people, Lord. Give me volunteers, Lord. Give me volunteers, Lord. Give me volunteers, Lord. Lift up your voice and pray. Lift up your voice and pray. Mama Sunda Balababa, Ayaka Pali Probo Shama, Ali Katuneva Sabra Bele, Irango Pali Broshaba, Lord, give me volunteers, give me lay people, 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 give me ordinary people, that is your cry this afternoon, that is your prayer this afternoon, Lord, give me lay people, I want lay people, Lord, I want lay people, Lord, I want lay people, Lord. I want lay people, Lord. I want ordinary people. I want ordinary people. I want ordinary people to help the Lord to expand your kingdom, to build churches, to plant churches, to sell cells. I want ordinary people to help me, to help me, to do the work. Lord, give me lay people. Give me lay people. Give me lay people. 
Father, I pray for your wonderful pastors and servants here. Yes, Lord. Send them help us. Yes. Send them help us. Send them a lot of help. Yes. Send them sons and daughters. Yes. Who stand with them in the gates of the ministry Mm. to fight with them. Yes. In the name of Jesus. Volunteers. Let people who not demand money, Mm. but who serve you as as a way of saying thank you to you. Thank you, Father. Lord, help your pastors to receive this wisdom. Yes. And to walk by it. In Jesus' name. Amen. been blessed by this message. We invite you to worship with us at the Lighthouse Chapel International Light of the World Cathedral Collegon, opposite the Collegon Main Gate. Please note our service times. English services, early rain service 6.30 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. His presence service 8.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. And love and faith service 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Other languages, L'Eglise Glorieuse French, 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. Love and Victory, Gain, 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. And Love and Hope, Tree, 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Our Vibrant Youth Church also starts at 12 noon to 2 p.m. Be part of our midweek importation service this and every Tuesday from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. prompts. For prayer, counseling and further inquiries, Please call 0278-888-884 or 0543-289-289. The numbers again, 0278-888-884 or 0543-289-289. God bless you.